Hey, this is Melissa. And I'm Russell. Thanks for joining us on the Riverbend Awareness Project. Each month, we dive into a topic our community is affected by and explore how you can help. This episode is made possible by Idaho Falls Community Hospital. February is American Heart Month. We're going to be talking about heart health. We're in studio today with Dr. Blake Walker and Chief Lyle Barney, and they're going to introduce themselves. Hi, thank you so much, Melissa, for having us here. This is amazing. Um, as, as you said, my name is Dr. Blake Walker. Um, I'm an uh, advanced heart failure cardiologist uh, uh, in, this, in Idaho Falls here, uh, working at Idaho Heart Institute. Um, I, also, I have a doctorate, obviously, in medicine, MD, and I also have a PhD in medical informatics, which is related to software. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, my name is Lyle Barney, and I've been a volunteer EMT since 1992 with the Shelley Firth Quick Response Unit. Um, when I very first started running, we had 217 calls per year. Now we're over 900 calls per year. And we are in the midst of getting our own ambulance service. Okay, this month our topic is heart health. Let's let's just jump right into it. What is heart health, right? We have a whole month dedicated to teaching the public about it. So why is that the case? Well, as a cardiologist, I think the heart is the most important organ there is in the body. <laughs> so, um, no, but, but the heart is very important. Um, People are afraid of, you know, heart attacks, chest pain, and it's real. I mean, that, it, that part is real. You need to keep your heart healthy. It's also a very preventable disease in a lot of cases that people can, you know, do something about that and, you know, stay exercised, stay fit. And so heart health to me is preventative as well as, you know, treating the acute problems. And, and sometimes people are actually born with congenital heart problems that we have to manage and we have to work with. So heart health means all of that to me, in addition to taking care of our community um, and our loved ones and our family members. Um, a lot of people with other different types of diseases like diabetes and high blood pressure and stuff, they always you know, come into heart health as well because they're all risk factors for heart disease. What is heart disease? Well, heart disease is everything related to the heart when you say it that way. So it could be um, coronary disease, heart attacks. Coronary disease are blockages of the vessels that feed blood to the heart. It could be heart failure, which could be symptoms of shortness of breath and you need you know, medications to help with that. It could be like what I call low squeeze of the heart. People with heart failure tend to know those terms because I work with them very closely and you know, my clinic. Um, it could be a different uh, problems with your valves. There's four valves in the heart. And sometimes as we age, we can get one of the valves that's, you know, closed off and it gets calcified. That's part of aging. Not everybody gets that, mind you, but some people can, and that's called aortic stenosis. And in that case, you, you may need your valve replaced and we need to do that. There's other valves that may leak, mitral regurgitation, and we might have to do something about that. Uh, there could be thickening in the heart. It could be a rhythm problem. It could be defects that you're born with, and you need surgeries as a child to fix those, and then we need to deal with that as an adult and for the complications that follow. Uh, I can keep going on. <laughs> uh, heart disease is a lot. <laughs> How often do you guys um, have calls or respond to emergencies that are related to heart disease? I would say out of the eight or 900 calls that we have per year now, 
that there's around 10% are cardiac events, whether that just be a heart attack or a full arrest. What's, can you describe the difference? Yeah, so a heart attack is any time that there's something that is traumatizing to the heart. It's not able to pump the blood. It's not, there's something that it doesn't like. So you begin to have the chest pains. A lot of people ignore them, and they think it's an angina, which sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But the other thing is, is as Dr. Watker said, shortness of breath. Um, you could have pain in your back. You could have pain in your shoulder, pain in your jaw, stomach. So right now we're looking at it as anything from the abdomen all the way up is heart attack related until otherwise ruled out. So I know a lot of, a lot of people that are probably going to be um, experiencing heart attacks, people in that demographic are probably tough people, right? They've had a lot of pain in their lives, in their bodies. What is the point of pain where you want to get help with that? Like you don't want to just have a heart attack, let it happen and not do anything about it, right? But you don't want to have any false alarms. So when should you bring it to a doctor? When should you get emergency um, personnel on the line? Whenever you feel that it's something related to your heart, I would much rather tell you that you're fine than say, oh, I'm sorry, you should have come in. I, I would much rather tell you that you're okay. So if somebody is having some kind of symptoms of shortness of breath or chest pain and it's just not right, don't blow it off. Please don't blow it off. We have a lot of tough people, like you said, in this community. Uh, there's so many tough people I have as patients. And oh, yes, they can tough it out. They can work it out. They can go back to work and do things, male and females. And sometimes it doesn't turn out so well. So that's always my answer to my patients and anyone. What are things we can do to take care of our heart? We can do so many things to take care of our heart. And we all know what they are. I mean, really, it's eating healthy. It's exercising. It's not smoking. It's drinking alcohol within moderation. Um, it's taking your medicines when you need to take them. See your primary care doctor to make sure that you're otherwise healthy and in condition. And not doing drugs. I mean, it's really, we know what it is. Mm -hmm. But it's sometimes doing it, and that's one thing as, as a doctor, and I, I don't want to speak for, for Chief, Chief uh, Lyle Barney here, but it's, um, you know, we understand life is life also. And my patient population is not, you know, the most pristine people. And I got to say, sitting here, I'm not the most pristine pe person either. You know, we're all human, and I get it. But if you're going to ask me what can you do, that's what I'm going to say. What other health conditions can affect the heart? Well, there's actually quite a few that you may not realize, like diabetes. Um, that's a big one. People with diabetes, uh, from, from a cardiology standpoint, you know, their coronary disease, you know, heart attacks waiting to happen. So controlling your diabetes is so important. And that's type 1 and type 2 diabetes. And, you know, people who have diabetics, they know what that means. And so it's controlling those sugars, controlling that diet that your doctor tells you about. Hypertension, high, high blood pressure. Um, that's a silent killer because, you know, you may not always feel it. 
And having that go along too long, that can hurt your kidneys, that can hurt your heart, that can hurt so many other things that if you can stay on top of it, then that would be, that would be ideal. Uh, cholesterol is another one. Um, there's prevention of, you know, where should my cholesterol be? But then once you've had coronary disease or if you have a high risk other disease such as diabetes, I want you on cholesterol medications because it is preventative. Um, <clears throat> other uh, diseases, uh, you know, other, you know, autoimmune diseases or immunological diseases, they can all play into it. So every, what I'm getting to is that everything can play into every organ that you have, including the heart. Seeing that interconnectivity of like everything is connected in the body and the heart is kind of at the center of it all. What impresses, this is for both of you guys, what impresses you guys most about the human heart? Uh, just fact that as Dr. Walker said, it is the main organ in your heart without your heart pumping. You're Go nobody. Heart. I mean, you're done. So uh, when we do CPR on people, they're like, well, aren't you afraid of breaking ribs or cartilage or anything like that? It's like, no. Actually, a person was dead, and so we're going to give them a chance of surviving by mimicking a heartbeat through the CPR and hoping that the heart picks that up and continues to pump on its own. Yeah, what's a, what's a few broken ribs when you continue to live life, right? Correct. I was about to say, is the, and are there any other organs that do that where you can like mimic something to get it going again or is it just the heart or there's there's different things that you mean like if you've got <clears throat> full-blown kidney failure i mean there's dialysis okay yeah. you know so you can mimic the kidneys by being on a dialysis machine but to get a heart machine now i do do advanced heart failure like i explained earlier and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later but you know to get a quote heart machine to make your heart work for you well that's pretty advanced and that's pretty specific. And to get a heart transplant, which we do do, you know, we don't have hearts sitting on a shelf. So there are other things you can do for other organs and other diseases, but a brain's the next one. It's like having a stroke, you know, brain, brain is important. That's where you, that, the, the brain controls all the signals for everything else. I still think the heart's more important. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I got off base there, but I didn't know if I gave you a chance to answer the question about what impresses you the most about the human heart. Well, I'm a cardiologist, so <laughs> it all impresses me. <laughs> um, actually, uh, back in my uh, training when I was going through med school, I was going to be a pulmonologist, a lung doctor, and um, loved, loved, you know, all of that learning and all that stuff with the lungs, but then I got into cardiology and oh my, it was so much fun. What really got me excited about the heart um, is the hemodynamics. And that's all the pressures and the math that's involved in the heart and how I take care of that in advanced heart failure. And so advanced heart failure is where basically your heart is not pumping. And therefore all your pressures of your blood don't go in the right directions. It's not technically going backwards, but it's just not going forward as well as we would like it to go. And all kinds of things can happen. And all of these advanced math and numbers, it, it excites me so much. Um, but that also is why I was you know, a math major and a software engineer too. So it all kind of plays together. How, how did you get into the medical field from being a software engineer? 
Um, that's kind of an interesting question. <laughs> um, I started off as a, as a math major at Penn State. And, um, and I, I was a math major because that's what I was good at. And so I kept taking math classes, and my dad was like, okay, time to graduate. And I was like, but uh, what am I going to be? And he said, what do you got enough credits in? I said, math. And he was like, oh, poof, you're a math major. So I was like, great, what am I going to do with that? So um, then I started working for Lockheed Martin uh, back in uh, Philadelphia area and uh, got into software engineering, basically taught myself programming, coding. I love, I love coding. Oh, my gosh. Old school coding, too. Not like the stuff you do now with all the, you know, apps and things. But, yeah, old school stuff. And so uh, did that and then got into... Lockheed Martin, which is an aerospace company for the government. It's a contractor for the government and was working in that department and then decided that, you know, I want to take care of people. I really, I, I, this isn't for me. I love it. I mean, I love the techie stuff, but the whole point of it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to actually take care of people. So I decided that instead of working for the government, I would work for healthcare. And I thought, well, I'll take my software engineering and start working in the healthcare department. And I ended up getting my PhD in medical informatics, which is uh, programming uh, medical record systems. And so that's what I did. And eh, kind of decided I really want to take care of people, not just make the software that takes care of people. I actually want to be the one in charge and actually take care of people. So that's when I decided that that inner calling that I've had all my life, really, honestly, all my life, that I had to listen to that at age 30 and went to medical school. After, after the same, simultaneously of getting my PhD, which was kind of hard, but uh, I couldn't deny that that calling I had. And I have a wonderful support system with my husband who said, okay, go for it, I guess. <laughs> and so that's, that's kind of how I got there. Thanks for sharing that. How did you become an emergency responder? Um, I had an uncle that was an EMT for many years and uh, he had some issues with his heart and he ended up in the hospital and he'd been in there for about three months and He's pretty much on his deathbed. And I went in and I asked him, I says, is there anything I can do for you? And he said, yeah, make me a promise. I said, what's that? And he said, promise me you'll become an EMT. And I'm like, okay. Uh, I got sick every time I seen the ambulance, so this wasn't a good thing. And I told him, I said, uh, how about if I let you know tomorrow? And he said, there won't be a tomorrow. So a couple hours later, he passed away and... Uh, at that time, you know, we still had the regular newspaper, and I opened it up, and here was an EMT class, and I just shut it, thinking, it'll go away. And I did this for about six weeks. Finally, I decided to make the phone call, and I made the call, and I had a very good instructor. And for some reason, I'm still in it after 32 years. Not only that, but you're chief. Yeah. Well, I enjoy helping people. I really do. Um. The thing is, is everything that we do as an outlying field training for our EMTs, we're out in these rural communities helping people get care quicker. 
because if if you're waiting for an ambulance to come from Idaho Falls or Blackfoot uh, due to their call volume, and sometimes they get hung up with weather or traffic, so it may be a little bit delayed, we can be on scene and we can start the process. Um, we have all the equipment on our quick response units that an ambulance has. We just cannot transport. And we're normally on scene in four to seven minutes. But some of that equipment we've had to help you with. Yes. Yeah, the Idaho Heart Foundation uh, donated to the Shelly Firth Quick Response Unit a Lucas device, and that is a CPR robot. And uh, we ran pretty shorthanded, so a lot of times we only have one person on shift, maybe two. Uh, you can put that on, and then you can just manage airway after that. It'll just continue to do the compressions. So that's very, very helpful, and we're very grateful for the. They're very uh, expensive. Yeah, yeah, for the Heart Foundation. Yeah, they're about $20,000. Wow. That's impressive. I've never even heard of one before. That's so cool that yeah. that is a thing, like that you can have the robot doing like i'm assuming like the heavy if you google it it's 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 more it's don't think of a robot it's more okay. of a board strap yeah like you're on a board and you got this machine that goes over your chest and it's got like a it's got like a compression and it goes chonk, chonk, chonk. it's pretty efficient yeah so the idaho heart foundation has uh donated many aeds over the last couple of years that I've been involved with them. We've uh, donated about 40 of them. Yeah, 40 of them. And some of those places is ISP, um, Bingham County Sheriff's Office, Blackfoot PD, and Champs Heart. And each year we continue to grow and bring in more money from the businesses that support this organization. And... Our goal is to be able to give 100 of them away per year. What is an IED and how are they helpful? AED. AED. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's okay. Hey, we're learning. This is the whole point of this. We're learning. Totally ID, ID something like this infectious disease. <laughs> you want to talk about that? No, I another month. <laughs> okay, so an AED is an... Automatic external defibrillator. And what that is, is it is a device that anyone can use. Let me emphasize, anyone can use one. And they have, uh, it's a little box. It has a handle. And you open it up, and it's like foolproof. They've got sticker pads, and they have pictures, and they say, put a sticker, you know, up there on over your heart, which is the left side, upper part of your chest, and... The other one kind of towards your back behind the heart and then you plug in those pads where it's obviously there's a plug-in and you hit on and it'll walk you through everything and what it does is it's as you're doing cpr so cpr if you don't have a lucas device in your back pocket which you probably wouldn't cpr is the manual hand thing so you put your hands together and you put them over the middle of the sternum and you push and you push with locked arms and your body fully over the patient and you push down pretty much 100 beats a minute. So it's the, that beat. And, you know, sing to yourself if you'd like. There's a variety of songs. Baby Sharks is one of them. Staying Alive is another. <laughs> There's a couple of different songs out there. But you want to keep doing that. And then somebody arrives with an AED, puts the stickers on, 
and then you turn it on. You keep doing CPR till that machine tells you to stop, and it's going to analyze the rhythm. As it's analyzing the rhythm, it's determining if the rhythm of the heart, so that, you know, you hear about the heartbeat going beep, 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 beep. So when you're in a heart attack, that rhythm is no longer beep, 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 beep. It's all over the place. And that could be a deadly rhythm. And that is a shockable rhythm. So what that AED would automatically do is determine if there's a shockable rhythm and then tell you to clear and it will automatically shock that patient. And that's a life-saving thing. I mean, big time. So, and then in between that, you do CPR. And so here's something that people may not know about AEDs. It's not going to shock you if you don't need to be shocked. Like, you can't turn it on and, you know, shock somebody just for the heck of it. Like, that ain't going to happen. It's only going to shock shockable rhythms. And you keep doing that. And you keep going until somebody like, you know, Chief Barney here shows up with his crew and, and help you. But, but you guys, anybody can do it. Really, literally, anybody can do it. It's part of the foundation. We actually have youth as part of our foundation. And there's a big uh, thing that we work with, with the youth teaching youth about the importance of CPR and AEDs, because that's our motto is anyone, you know, can save a life. Yeah. We have contests at each one of the events that we do and see who can do CPR the longest on these mannequins without missing the timing. And uh, we had a kid 45 minutes, wasn't it? 45 minutes straight. Yeah. We'd have both been dead if we'd have done it that long, but <laughs> no kidding. He was he was 18 years old, and Doctor Walker asked him later, "How did you do that?" And he goes, "I just had the music in my ear, and I just keep the beat to it." Yeah, yeah, so. and he won it, and he won at that Xbox too. Yeah, <laughs> he was motivated. But um, oh, and then as a result of these, you know, the youth, you know, we do these big youth events, and you know, it's free to all youth. So we'll get back to you, and we'll help you know get that word out for the youth. Um, but, you know, some of them realize that, hey, I want to go into healthcare. You know, I, I might want to be an EMT. Maybe I want to be a doctor, uh, you know, or just maybe health awareness. Like, hey, you know, I might need this on somebody. And so it's really cool to see the youth, you know, become leaders in their community and, and spread this. And we actually had one school, Alteris, um, uh, the middle school. They got together and they raised money to buy their school an AED. And as a result of that, the foundation, and at the time, the, the Idaho Falls Fire Department went in and we trained the entire school. Everybody, even the kindergartners. We did it on teddy bears. But. We should ask about the Idaho Heart Foundation. What, how did that get started? And how did you guys become involved? I started the Idaho Heart Foundation back in 2017. Um, It was because as a cardiologist, I see people come in from having a heart attack and sometimes it doesn't turn out so good. Uh, People die from heart attacks and it's so important to have CPR and if you have an AED available to use an AED, even if you're just... You know, if you're not trained, if you're not an EMT, if you're not medical, it doesn't matter. It's so important to do that because it is life or death. And it does improve survival significantly. So if you have a heart attack outside, you know, like you're not in a hospital or something, you know, you have a high chance of dying. You know, if you get CPR, your chances improve. If you get an AED, your chances improve even more, significantly more. 
So it's so important to teach the community and the public that it's okay to push on somebody's chest. It's okay to use an AED. And it can mean something to a person or a loved one that may not have survived if it wasn't for you. And so with that, I started the foundation to just get that word out that CPR is okay. It's, it's okay to do. You, and using an AED is not that scary. And so that's how it began. And it began by trying to get that awareness out. And then we realized that that's great, but there's not enough AEDs out in the community. And so without AEDs out in the community, well, then we're cutting people's chances of living, you know, significantly down. So we had to find a way to raise money to buy AEDs and equipment for the community. And so that's how we started in 2017 with one AED. And we've grown from there. Um, work always closely with the first responders, of course, because that's who we're supplying with this. And as uh, Lyle said, uh, you know, the Idaho State Police, we got a bunch of AEDs for them. We got more to give uh, next coming year in 2024. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we were going to plan our first big, big fundraising ball in 2020. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we know what that means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were actually, it's a February event, of course, you know, and um, it was, uh, we were ready to go. And we heard about COVID. We're like, nah, it's not going to hit us. We'll be fine. And then everything just came to a screeching halt. We're like, oh, my gosh. So everything, as we know, came to Screeching Heart. So it postponed our very first big fundraiser to 2022. And so 2022, we had our very first inaugural heart ball uh, down at Shoshone-Bannock. 400 people came. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It was, it was so amazing. It was form it's formal. We've raised a lot of money. Um, and... Uh, we did a great event. Uh, it was just over the top. It was so amazing. Um, basically brought Vegas to Idaho Falls. <laughs> it was cool. It was really cool. And just the the pouring of the outs, you know, support from the community was just so overwhelming. And um, we just, we did it again in 2023 and same response, even better, same response, even better. And we're able to get more and more money to buy AEDs. Uh, so last year, for instance, in 2023, we were able to buy 18 AEDs. And AEDs cost anywhere from sometimes up to 3000 And we get the AEDs that the community needs. So, you know, we don't have a specific type. We're not, we're definitely not a distributor of AEDs or anything like that, but we work with the EMS and, you know, Chief, Chief Barney here to determine, you know, what the need is for the community. Um, and, and that's, how, that's how it got started. And that's what we're doing. Do you guys have any personal experiences that you've seen um, AEDs work in real time? I have. Do you have any that stand out? Any experiences that stand out that you want to share? Well, I can't really share any information on that. But I can share the fact that the sooner you get an AED on a person, the better chances of them living. If, it, if they have a shockable rhythm, it'll bring them back fairly quickly. We use them all the time in the hospital with codes. Yeah. We, we both have very personal experiences with them. They work. So the AED takes care of the electrical part of the heart. And 
when we do compressions, we're just trying to mimic that beat. Okay, to, so to get the blood flowing. Yeah, to get the blood flowing. So we want oxygenated blood going to the organs, to the then, brain. And then they get to the, they bring them to the hospital, and then we take them up to the cath lab. That's where we do our procedures. Is uh, that's where acute heart attacks goes to the cath lab, and then an interventional cardiologist. Uh, we'll get in there and uh, open up those blocked coronaries, like really quick, under 60 minutes. And even more than that, like seriously, like really quick, it can get going. And so, you know, we have that services 24-7. And Idaho Falls, is we're pretty lucky here because we've got a lot of resources. Um, as I said earlier, I work with Idaho Heart Institute, and we've got you know, like 15 cardiology providers and we service you know the entire community here in tri-state area and we're just growing this community is growing you know huge and we provide all kinds of different services but you know we have we have somebody on call every minute of every day ready to take care of somebody who has a heart attack we're just there that's awesome that's inspiring you guys do important work thank you and you are impacting so many lives we try (laughs) But we do it, like, you know, for the right reasons. Like, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know, I really, I really care about my patients. I care about the community. I care about the youth. I care about the future. And, you know, and I care about my older patients, too, because we're all going to pass some time in this life. And that's part of life also. And I, so I do heart failure because heart failure is like, you know, you get to care for the patient the entire time. My youngest patient is 18. My oldest is, uh, I think, over 100. Yeah. It's quite the age range. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's stating the obvious. What differences have you guys seen in people when they decide to take better care of themselves and their hearts? Well, one of the biggest things as you get older is you put on weight. You don't get the exercise that you need. Um, and after you retire, you even get lazier. So that really has a lot to do with it. As Dr. Walker said, if you're not getting your exercise, that's huge. And you change the way you eat. Uh, so that, that is probably the most important. But the thing that everybody can have in their cupboard at home is the chewable baby aspirins. They're 81 milligrams. And if you start to feel any kind of chest pain or anything unusual, Within from the abdomen all the way back into the middle of your back, take four baby aspirin. I so agree. 324 milligrams. Well, if you're having a heart attack, you're not going to count and do the math. So, yeah. No. Three, three to four. Three to four. Yeah, is just, good. just throw them Chew. down. Chew them up. Chew them up. Yep, throw them down. And then Dr. Walker can explain what the aspirin does. So the aspirin makes, for lack of more technical terms, like makes the blood slippery. So if you've got a plaque that's sitting there in the coronaries and you just took an aspirin, ooh, that's going to make that real slippery and open that up and give you that valuable couple minutes that you're going to need to get to that hospital. So yeah, that's really important. That's like one of the most important things you can do right away. Now, if somebody's unresponsive, don't be shoving an aspirin down their mouth because you're just going to choke them. Start doing a CPR and AAD like we talked about. But uh yeah, if you're awake and you're having these symptoms, go ahead and do that and call 911. Don't try to drive yourself in. Oh, my gosh, everybody does that. <laughs> Not a good idea. <laughs> no. uh, 
I hadn't heard of the of aspirin before. That's that's so cool and so easy. Not that it's the final treatment, right? But it can add a few minutes, right? Well, it can make the difference between life or death in some cases, yeah. Because when you come to the emergency room, if you're having chest pain, first thing the ER doc's going to do is, have you had aspirin? Well, if you haven't, here you go. Chew them up. First thing they do. What are some resources available to people um, with their heart health? Where can they learn more? Well, this podcast, that's for sure. (laughs) I've learned a lot, so... Um, all kinds of places. I mean, there's, you know, Google, everybody's out there Googling everything and researching everything. Um, there's all kinds of internet hype on absolutely everything out there. Um, so there's lots of places. And unfortunately, you know, with all of the social media that we have, you know, some of it's good, some of it's bad. And it's too, too much for me to say which part's good and which part's bad. You just got to kind of use common sense and critical thinking and think about stuff. One thing that I noticed is uh, the fad diets and the fads this, you know, oh, we've got to do all this coconut oil. And then, you know, a couple of hours later, oh, coconut oil is bad for you. Well, yeah, usually, though, the quick fixes and those, you know, those ads that you click on, usually they're just hype. So for the most part. Are there some like local resources for people who want to have a healthier heart or maybe who have heart health problems and want to find more information? Well, American Heart Association is always a good resource. Um, And, you know, the different, you know, clinics, you know, that are out there, the cardiologist, you know, and if you have heart concerns, you can talk to your primary care doctor about that as well. Yeah, Shelly Firth, uh, quick response unit, has five CPR instructors. And throughout the year, we train probably 300 people. So we train the firemen from Firth, from Shelly, uh, some of the Bingham County Sheriff's Office, and we do train the Shelley Police Department. And you're and then, certifying these people? Yes, we're certifying, and that's through AHA. Yeah, and what we do with the foundation is we, we just do, like, training, we'll use that word, um, and the fact that, like, kind of like what I described to you guys, we'll, we'll show you what that means, and we'll have a mannequin, and we'll demonstrate it. Mm-hmm. For instance, we do that at the Idaho State Fair every year, and in two days, this last fair, how many did we train? I think 340. Oh, my gosh. I know. It was, a, it was, it was tiring. It was exhausting. Hardly quite the arm workout. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But training is different from getting certified. So, again, going back to the message, you don't have to be certified to save a life. It, it great. When you show up, you know, yeah, well, we want you to be certified. But, like, to initially start trying to help somebody... Just do it. Push on somebody's chest, grab an AED, call 911. You don't, those are the three things. Um, what are ways individuals in the community can help the community's heart health? What are ways people can get involved? Learn CPR. I was about to say, it's like we talked about it, but I was like, did we miss anything? CPR is very important. And as Dr. Walker said, it is so easy to do. Uh, even if you're doing it wrong, you're at least making an effort. And bad CPR is better than no CPR. I agree with that. You know, and just, you know, encourage your your friends, your peers, your family members, you know, healthy lifestyle choices, smoking, healthy choices with, you know, food, moderation. When people ask me like, oh, does this mean, you know, I can't have a cheeseburger ever again or can't have an ice cream cone? It's like, no, that doesn't mean it. It just means moderation. And so... 
yeah, if you if you you know indulge, then you're probably not gonna. You're probably gonna end up having health problems. Is there anything we missed you want to talk about? First, who can have a heart attack? Everybody could have a heart attack, right? It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. The thing is, is mostly in your younger generation of people, they'll have a respiratory issue, which that respiratory issue could turn into a cardiac arrest. That's lungs. Yeah. Yeah, they'll be short of breath or something. Like asthma or something. Yeah, Yeah, asthma, things like that. Well, asthma is not going to cause a heart attack, but like people might be short of breath. But the respiratory part of it. Yeah. Like it'll, it'll show up as respiratory Issues that we're well, yeah, like meaning shortness of breath. Like if you're mm-hmm. unexplained short of breath and you don't have a history of asthma, let's say, then it could be something else, or it could be chest pain. You know, the symptoms can be really all different things: abdominal pain, back pain, and uh, as uh, Lyle said, anybody can have a heart attack. Uh, even you, Lyle. That's correct. If it helps somebody out there, I'll I'll let you know. Uh, I had a widowmaker in September of 2022. And I would honestly say that the aspirin the, saved my life. Uh, I, I felt the pains, and I've seen, witnessed a lot of people that are having heart attacks or some cardiac event that have described to me what they're feeling. You know, a lot of them, it's elephant on the chest, um, just sharp pain. Uh, some of them don't even have a pain in their chest. They'll have a stomach ache or they'll throw up, you know, and that's all still to do with their heart. So when I was sitting on the couch and felt like somebody hit me with a hard ball from about 10 feet away, and it took my breath away, and I sat there for a minute. My wife said, what's going on? I said, I don't know, but I'm going to go take some aspirin. And so I got up, took the aspirin, and then I became very anxious. I, I couldn't stand up. I couldn't sit down. I couldn't lay down. I tried everything. Nothing was working. And uh, so this probably maybe a minute or two had passed, and all of a sudden I become very diaphoretic. Sweaty. Very sweaty. And it, it's just like you crawled out of the shower, and it's all at once. It, it hits once. And I looked at my wife, and I said, this is real. Let's go. You called 911. No, I did not. Oh, and no. I did not because of my location. And coming into town, I was headed right for this fire station on St. Clair. And I told my wife, I gave her directions. I said, drive fast, put your four ways on, don't stop for anybody. And if I crash, call 911, and they'll be there in two or three minutes. Uh, so, yes, I did go against that, but it was based on where I was located and, at the and time. And you knew where you were going, and yeah. you did not drive. No, I did not drive. And we, we got you, and we got you up to the cath lab, and we fixed that Widowmaker. The Widowmaker is what people will refer to. So there's three vessels to the heart that, that mainly work. There's a left anterior descending, a left circumflex, and a right coronary artery. So there's just three arteries. The big one is the left anterior descending, or LAD. And that is the Widowmaker. That's one I had. Yeah. Um, but... From the time I felt my chest pain until I was in the cath lab, I believe was 23, 24 minutes is what they said. It, it was quick. You felt better right away, right? Yes. Yeah. It, it took us about eight minutes to get to the hospital. And then the next thing I know, they're putting IVs in me. They got AD pads on me in case I crash. And uh, 
I was in the cath lab, and I think I was in there for about 45 minutes. Yeah, but we got it open right away. Yeah, it was, it was opened up, but by the time they put a stand in, that's about the amount of time yeah. that it took. Uh, so I'm just grateful for having a little bit of knowledge of the medical field. And I'm grateful for Dr. Walker, um, Dr. Gerlach, all the ones that were involved. Dr. Gerlach was the one in the cath lab. Yeah. yeah. So everybody was amazing. They really were. Uh, I guess it wasn't my time. That's, that's all I could say because otherwise, I mean, there's only, what, 3% of the people that live through a Widowmaker without any heart damage. There's 7% yeah, that live through it, but there's yeah. only 3% that don't have heart damage. So it's called the Widowmaker because the left anterior descending takes up, it get, feeds blood to most of the heart area that's important for pumping. So if you take that out, your, inst your heart's instantly going to feel that, and you're not going to be able to pump blood. So it's, you're basically shutting off oxygen to most of your heart immediately. And so that hurts. And if you don't get help, you die. Yeah, I had 99% occlusion, so I had 1% blood flow. So, again, I'm very grateful that everybody was involved and and in this case, he didn't need the AED. You know, his heart rhythm didn't go into a bad rhythm, but a couple more minutes, and it easily could have. Yeah, I got a friend that works in the cath lab. He wasn't there that day, but a few days later, he got a hold of me, and he said, with your permission, I can go in there and look and see what happened. And I said, okay. He calls me back five minutes later. He said, dude, you had about three more minutes. You was done. Yeah. So it, was, it sounds like it was pretty serious. But it happens so fast, it's, I don't even know how to explain it. From the time I had the chest pains till I was done in the cath lab and on my way to my room was maybe an hour and 20, 30 minutes. Now, now thinking back, did you have any other symptoms leading up to that that you could then maybe think maybe it was part of that? I had a previous shoulder injury. I tore the labrum in my left shoulder. And I was actually helping a friend do some concrete work. And, of course, every time that a new pain had come up, I'd blame it on having to do the concrete work. I could always justify it. You know, something had happened, I'd slipped. I'd but that makes not sense. I lifted something right. So we're all in denial, honestly. And I denied it up to the point that I think a boy upstairs said, pay attention this time or you're done. But that's not uncommon. I mean, seriously, I mean, you had an injury. It makes sense for you not, I mean, to, you, you pick up something big and you've got an old shoulder injury. Like, that makes sense. I mean, I'm, I would have told you the same thing. Like, ah, it's your shoulder. Don't worry about it. You know, but sometimes there's just a little bit more that tells you, eh, it's not quite that shoulder injury anymore. Because there's a lot of people that, that's one thing about a heart attack. If it's happening, something tells you. It's real. And that's what Lyle said. Honey, it's real. If that talks to you, if that speaks to you, call 911. Or if you're in a proper vicinity, get yourself to the emergency room immediately. Listen. Yeah, and, and to reiterate why I did not call 911 is because the ambulance it would have taken has longer come from to get to Idaho you. Falls yeah. out to the area I live in, which is about 12 minutes. You'll normally spend, even on something serious, you'll spend three to five minutes with the patient, get them loaded, come back in, 
the same amount of time. So you've got 30, 35 minutes before you're ever in the hospital. And at the time, you didn't have the Lucas device, and you guys didn't have the right amount of AED. So, yeah, now you're now you're loaded. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, once again, I like I said, I'm grateful for everybody that was a, a part of that because I've learned a lot from it. I've uh, actually taught a CPR class about five or six days after I got out of the hospital, and uh, people were asking me, you know, so can anybody have a heart attack? And I said, yeah, anybody can have one. And they're like, well, how would you describe it? And I said, well, this is actually how you describe it. So I went into a little bit of detail on that. And, and hopefully sharing this today is helping someone out there be more aware of the things to look for. And as Dr. Walker said, listen to your gut because it's you'll not, always follow, you'll be right. It's not always the same symptoms either for everybody. They say women have different symptoms. Um, yes and no. Yes, yes, they do. Um, and, you know, it can be just nausea out of nowhere that just is nagging at you. Could be back pain. Could be like dizziness. Uh, just something's just not right. And, but that, I've also seen that in men too. You know, so I had, I had a patient who was like, oh, yeah, I've got that, you know, that, that gut reflux going on every time I exercise. I'm like, that's not a thing, hon. Let's go check your heart out. He needed open heart surgery at the end of it. So, you know, you got to listen. You got to listen and you know, know if it's right or not. Um, but, you know, we have to pay attention to, to both genders. And throughout history, it's always been, you know, the men have had the heart attacks. And actually, that's not true because, you know, women, cardiovascular disease, uh, it's the leading cause of, of death for women is cardiovascular disease. So, you know, we as, as the, the ladies in the community, we got to take care of each other. And, and I know that, you know, there's a Go Red uh, to help support, you know, cardiovascular disease in women for awareness of that. The American Heart Association supports and that's something very important to think about. Um, and uh, we got to, you know, it depends on where you're at. Because with women, sometimes we're like, eh, I got to take care of everybody else first. You know, I got to get, get the kids fed or I got to get to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. Oh, it's, I'm fine, honey. I'm fine. I'll be good. You know, we tend to blow things off. And I get that. But I can also tell you a bunch of men who do the same thing. Oh, man. Now, I'm not trying to stereotype for anything, but my farmers, man, oh, boy, they'll, I, <laughs> it's calving season. I'm not coming in. <laughs> I got to go fix that. I got to go. Yeah, I'm going to go up there, you know. And so, yeah, I, I get it. I, I get it. So we're, as we said in the beginning, this community's tough. We're tough, but we still have heart disease. We got to listen to that. And we're here. We're tough, too. Right, Lyle? Yes. And we will, we'll take care of you because that's what we do. Thank you for sharing your experience. You betcha. I think that's valuable. Well, like I said, I hope it helps someone out there listening today. Um, we already talked about heart attacks, but is that the only thing you guys do with heart? No, actually, there's so much that we do for cardiology here in Idaho Falls. Uh, it's amazing. Like This is a small town growing, uh, but we've got the big city cardiology here. Um, we can do um, bypass surgeries. We can replace your valves if need be. Um, even just without surgery, we can replace some of your valves. We can 
clip some of the valves. We can close, you know, holes in your heart sometimes that need to be closed, like PFOs that you might be born with. If that's needed, we can do that. Um, we can take care of AFib. We can take care of heart failure. We can take care of coronary disease, of course. Um, we can take care of congenital problems uh, with people who are born with heart defects. Um, we do we do everything here. You know, there's all kinds of different. You know, we've got the cath lab, we've got echoes, we've got stress tests, we've got all different things we can do to take care of the community here. You know, we serve both hospitals. It's it's amazing what we do here, and um, it's really cool. Why <clears throat> why I picked Idaho Falls uh, is because so I can be I can make a difference in this community, and I wanted a community that we weren't going to ship everything out to the next biggest city, you know, Salt Lake or Boise. And I, I feel honored and, and blessed to be here that, you know, we can provide these advanced, you know, heart cardiology care to our patients. And I think it's just showing that in the community. And as the community grows, I think that's really important that the community knows that, that we do have the capabilities here and it's outstanding. What do you guys have, in, have coming up in the future? you have any events or anything like that? Yeah, actually, <clears throat> we've got the Idaho Heart Ball 2024. We're so excited about it. So, <clears throat> so the Heart Ball is on February 24th of this year at 530 down at the Shoshone Bannock. It is our only big fundraiser event that we have to raise money for all the wonderful things that we do in the foundation. And the money goes towards... <clears throat> getting buying AEDs like we talked about. We need to continue to buy AEDs for the state police. We've got to service a couple of different areas also in the surrounding areas to get AEDs. And if they need further equipment, we'll do that. So that's what the money goes for. <clears throat> we also uh, support the youth event that we have for free in the spring. I don't have a date for that yet, but that's where we can uh, teach that youth the CPR. We can't call it a health fair because then they won't come, but... Uh, it's a, it's, it's a youth, it's a youth awareness event party. Uh, it's fun. We teach them that. So, so that's what that supports. And then we teach the community, you know, different events, like we talked about the state fair. And we also have scholarships, uh, to CEI for people who want to go into healthcare. So, so the money that we raise at the ball is that's what we, that's what we're doing with it. It all goes to the community. We're, we're a legit 501c3 a nonprofit organization. Nobody gets paid. Uh, we do it all out of for the love of the community. And um, we're excited with uh, 2024. It, our diamond sponsors, as always, is uh, Idaho Falls Community Hospital and Mountain View Hospital. And this year, our gold sponsors, we're so excited, is Teton um, Auto Group and Select Health. Um, so we're so we're so happy that they're able to help us and sponsor the Heart Ball. And we still have tables left. So we're excited. We've got, we've got some tables. And if you want to, you know, some individual tickets, the table of seats 10 is $2,500. Um, and the individual tickets are $250. Um, because this is an amazing event. It's formal. And we go all out. And we have a really good time. Uh, Shoshone Bannock is, is uh, we work with them really great. And they have, a ho they have a hotel so you can stay the night in case the weather's bad or yeah, you did a little bit more than moderation if you're drinking or whatever. We want to be safe. And uh, it's a great time. Uh, the, the website uh, for the tickets is IdahoHeartFoundation.org. And all you got to do is, you know, click on the Heart Ball 2024. Get more information. Thank you. 
We want to thank Dr. Blake Wachter and Chief Lyle Barney for coming in today. And a special thanks to Idaho Falls Community Hospital. We couldn't have done this without their help. Thank you for listening. Join us next month on the Riverbend Awareness Project.